0: We were invited about six months ago by a friend of ours who was headed over to Ethiopia and has been there the past six months to um, go with her and we accepted that invitation or to visit her and, and help her out. Um, she's working with orphans there and doing dental work. She's a dental hygienist. And um, we'll be staying with the orphans um, and that's why we want to bring clothes to them. She said they're dirt poor so we're taking clothes to them. Um, and. Um, I'm trying to rush through this because I'm, I'm, I have a certain amount of time, but uh, I'd love to tell you more details if you want. It's amazing what God's been doing the past six months, and to pull a lot of this together, and bringing people um, involved who want to help. Um, and I guess that, that's part of the website thing that I'll get to in a minute. But um, the suitcases that I've been asking for, and I think I forgot to put in that list, I was saying large suitcases, but I finally got through to the fourth airline we'll be traveling on, and that's Ethiopian Airlines. And Um, They only allow 88 pounds of luggage, they don't care how many pieces. So based on all the other uh, airline requirements and such, um, uh, what we need to do is take two suitcases each that will carry around 40 pounds each. And we'll try and, John and I will travel light with, we'll be there for almost three weeks, but we'll try and travel light in one suitcase and stuff, you know, the other suitcase with about 40 pounds worth of clothes. So instead of large suitcases, we could use medium size or sizes that can be stuffed with 40 pounds worth of clothes. So if you have a scale at home, <laughs> you have a suitcase where you stuff it with clothes, and it will be 40 pounds, that would be really awesome to have um, for our trip. And so that would be a total of four because um, we, ha- we we don't really have suit- really good suitcases <laughs> to travel with. Um, okay, and <clears throat> and just another neat thing along the that, like I said, God's been bringing people into my life um, with different e- desires to um, be a part of or help in some way with the Ethiopians. And a neat thing that's going on that I don't even, I just have a, sli- a, a tiny glimpse of is that there are people there and here that are very interested in helping the orphans over there. And um, so we have, you know, my friend who's over there, her name is Louise. Um, a man who's a leader in the Jewish community there, which um, we're ministering to the Ethiopian Jews, and uh, I would love to tell you history of that. I have actually ha- do have a flyer, if, if I have more time, I tell you a little bit, but I do have a flyer, and it shows a map of Ethiopia and, and all that. So um, a lot of the Jews were living in Gondor and then came down the Addis expecting to go to Israel because Israel did fly a lot of them out of there because they were being so persecuted and um, like Jews are everywhere, it seems. But um, anyway, so we we want to minister to the Jews there and and let them know about Jesus being their their Messiah. And Louise has been developing you know relationship there, like I said, for the six months. And it's her plan to go there six months, come back, and keep going back and forth. And uh, it's my desire to return there again after this trip. Um, but and she's been effective with that. She has some Torah teaching tapes that are by a Messianic teacher, uh, CDs that she took with her for her spiritual enrichment, and what they do is they teach through the Torah and teach about Jesus, though, and how he's in this throughout the scriptures, Old Testament, and um, and this man who she's, you know, involved with his family, he's a leader in the community, he's asked to... Uh, have a, he wanted to listen to the CDs, and then she sent me an email that said he wanted to burn them, and I thought she meant burn them in fire, and I said, oh, that's too bad, and she goes, no, he wants to burn them, copy them. <laughs> I said, oh, good. <laughs> so he's interested, he's listening, and it would be awesome if, you know, God's going to use that um, to bring him to um, the Savior, uh, to know Jesus. So anyways, there's, he's interested in that work. Um, he's also a second-year dental student. Um, She's interested. A lady that I know here, an Ethiopian lady. Her mom is over there, who already supports orphans and is interested. And then there's myself here. Um, My son Jacob is very interested in this. And then the lady that, an Ethiopian lady that I know here, who left 20, had to leave 20 years ago, and um, and I met her brother. We went to a family reunion with them. Met a brother hers who had just come from Ethiopia, and he told me. One of the, the needs that I put on the list, I'll try to explain to you all the different things that are on the list, but he said paper and pens are just, you know, rarity and very, you know, welcome there and very wanted. So that's why I stuck that on there. We could take a lot of paper and pens. But I said small notebooks because of the luggage weight limit thing. But what I am going to try and do is send some of the games, you know, the the cards and dice and stuff, I'm going to send them by mail because they're heavier and because they because Customs has a a rule against sending um, used clothes. They won't, t- that, of course you can take them in your luggage, but we can't mail them. So I have, some people have given me new clothes, and if you see new clothes on sale, I, I, I'm, what I'm gonna do is stick the used stuff in there with the, the new, but with tags on top, and and just hope and pray it gets through. If God can smuggle Bibles, he can smuggle <laughs> use, some used clothes in there. I've been getting really nice clothes, so I don't think that will be a problem. Um, but what we're going to do is start shipping. So, um, if you're inclined to want to give the help with the cards and dice and air mattress and stuff, it'd be great to get that even by Wednesday night so I can be sure it gets there by the time we get there. Um, but if not Wednesday, by next Sunday to be able to ship those things. Um, and then, what really, what a really neat thing that happened was Luis had um, asked, said there was a need to start a website, that there were some men in um, there who wanted to. Um, sell their products worldwide to bring more money into the community because they moved to the city expecting to go to Israel, then they didn't go and they're living in slum-like conditions and um, and unable to, because they renounce their citizenship, they're unable to get certain employment, they're unable to, uh, their children are not ed- allowed to be educated and stuff like that so they're stuck very much in a poverty rut and so this is one way to help them out and it's been an exciting way. Um, so I said uh, Sure, yeah, I'll look into that. And so I have a website builder who's been building the website. On this flyer is the website, um, actually, and it's going to be – we already have the logo on, on the church website, but I'm going to get Rick that actual um, website. And, um, and they've sent me some products. If you've seen me wearing these shawls, this is actually hand-woven by the Ethiopians. This is a woman's shawl. And um, they make the kipas. This jewelry is 100% pure silver handmade. So it's going to be handcrafted items that we're selling on the website. It's a nonprofit um, organization that uh, we've incorporated and become nonprofit. The name of the organization is the strange People. That's on here too. And um, the website is ethiopiajudaica.com. We're going to be selling Ethiopia products and Judaica. That means Jewish-related items like, like the menorah and stuff uh, and the Star David. So God's brought all that, people who are willing to make um, design flyers, people who are willing to help with luggage, the shipping of luggage. Um, And so it's just been real exciting how he's been pulling that all together. The reason I asked for a laptop is because we'll be taking pictures there, and we want to just be able to look at the pictures bigger. You can't always see on the little camera, though I, I have a camera just for this that has a bigger picture but you know when you put it up on a screen sometimes it doesn't look the same so if we could get one that's the main reason I'm asking for the laptop and it would also be nice to be able to then forward it to him and let him be updating the website while we're there with more pictures more products and stuff and um, more information and even pictures of like the first day we're there she's going to take us to see the huge looms that they use to make these and and their other things that they make. So um, I'd love to you know send that to the website builder and get it online. As soon as possible, so we have all kinds of deals for marketing the website. There's organizations for help that want to help Jews. There's you know international organizations that I'll be getting in touch with after, you know, we come back and um, and get the other products on there and finalize you know all the merchant um, things, you know, PayPal and all that for the website. So uh, we're on our way to that. That may be done before I leave actually. Um, I guess that's about it. I could talk about a lot more of it. It's really exciting, like I said, how God's been bringing all these people together. Also, one other thing we need um, did I cover everything on the website? Or on uh, the list? I think the other things are just for the kids to play with and have fun with the cards and dice and all that. And um, the balls, inflatable balls, I thought of that because they're not that heavy and bulky. Uh, But the the one other thing, if you know anybody who would be interested, going over there to get we want to bring products back in our empty suitcases and save a lot on shipping and be able to therefore keep more money for them um, so if you know anybody who's interested in doing a um, I'm calling a spiritual investment and you know donate into that for us to be able to pay them right now they've sent me stuff before I paid them and I've been able to pay thanks to people buying stuff here and in other places I have been able to pay them not everything they've sent me but I've been able to give them some money but um, if you know anyone who would be interested in investing in that so that we could buy from them while we're there and bring it back, save on shipping, and, and then just keep circulating that money, then um, that's one other need that we have that that um, I realize would help. Um, John did have mission letters that he passed out one Sunday, but everybody wasn't here. If you didn't get it, I've minimized them. I made them smaller, and that's these. And then this has tells more information about what I just told you, and I may not have said everything on it. And this is... On the bottom of this is from one of the or, um, sources I have of the products telling about their organization and what they're trying to do to help their own people. So I thought that would be cool to let you see. So anyways, you're welcome. I'll have these by the chair there, and you're welcome to pick these up and see what's going on. And thank you for, to those who have already contributed and helped us out with this.
1: Oftentimes when you hear about missions, this feeling, or at least for me in the past, a feeling of kind of false guilt has come over me, like, boy, wouldn't it be great to go to Ethiopia? Uh, and... Uh, uh, and yet most of you are going to be stuck here next month and and the point i want to make to you is you have opportunities to be involved in missions you know wherever you are whenever you are and it's a misconception to think that missions only occurs and it's false guilt to think that that serious mission work only happens when you go away now i think god's called us to go and and i think it's really cool when that happens a lot of people give give their whole lives and careers to that other people are able to go on shorter-term trips. Um, I've been to Guatemala three times and Honduras once, and maybe this is it's probably too early to start talking about it, but later this summer we'll start talking about our next trip to Honduras. I hope it'll be next spring break, spring break for high schools, not for colleges. So, uh, um, and we'll start making plans for that soon. But it's a misapprehension of what the mission of God is to think that that's when we're doing missions and all the rest of our lives are something else. Um, we ought to be involved in missions every day you know, from the time we get up to till, till, till the time we stop spending time with people um, if, we, if we understand it right. Brian McLaren's book, uh, uh, this will kind of clue you in if you, uh, if you can remember my friend Rob Schwartz. This was a gift from him to my son Andrew. And after Andrew went off to college, I found it in Andrew's room. That's where I got, got, got my, my hands on it. But it's sort of a postmodern look at evangelism, and, and so I'll be quoting from it a good bit, and I, and I recommend it. But McLaren's principle is that modern era people tend to look at evangelism as an event. And, all, and, and, and at its worst, uh, like a sales event where the, the deal gets closed. Um, and, and he says that evangelism as Jesus modeled it was more of a relationship. That Jesus said to 12 disciples, come follow me. And he lived his life in front of them, and he was a spiritual friend uh, to people who, who needed a friend. And along the way, they learned about him, and they learned to follow him, and ultimately, they were willing to give their lives for him. So Jesus modeled that relationship. Um, McLaren quotes a guy named Jim Engel, who he identifies as a missiologist. which is kind of a new word for me, but I guess an expert in missions. And he says this, the Western-driven agenda of the last 50 years to finish the task of world evangelization has tragically missed the mark in its narrow focus only on conversion. The Great Commission has become a great commotion of proclamation in virtual disregard of spiritual formation and social transformation. A whole lot of big words there at the end. The point is that in focusing only on proclamation, which is good, we've got to proclaim the gospel, we sometimes miss the mark of helping people become disciples, helping people grow as believers, and making an impact on our communities. My favorite example of this is an example from my childhood. I went to a church, very fundamental church. Uh, um, it's, it's a subsection of fundamentalist denomination I refer to as Angry Baptist, but uh, that's just my name. Um, but uh, I, don't, I don't know why we were so mad. It just seemed like we were always mad about something. But uh, anyway, we were all about um, witnessing and all about uh, baptizing a bunch of people every year. And I, can, I this was a real one. I'm not making this one up. 200 or more in '74, and we had a banner on the on the wall in our church and we had a little thermometer where we kept track of, of baptisms and we'd bus kids in from the poor side of town and and the exciting thing about this is we met those goals. I think we baptized like 210 people in 1974 and I can't remember what, you know, it was 205 and 75 I bet it was something like that but uh, they usually rhymed. Um, but the... Uh, the confusing part about that, to me, uh, we were in that church about ten years uh, in my childhood years, and we were—I te- was a teenager when we moved away. When we started going to that church, there were about 500 people there, and when we moved away um, and left for South Carolina in 1976, there were about 500 people there. So, what's the math problem, or what's the, the the problem mathematically? We're adding 200 people to the kingdom of God every year, but the church is pretty much staying the same. So, and and who knows? I don't, you know, I don't want to judge the work of another. Christian community maybe this was sort of the triage place and they had to go somewhere else to be fed I don't know how that worked exactly but my my point is I want to be a full service disciple and I want this to be a full service church I want people who don't know about Jesus to learn about Jesus because of their impact with you I want people who know about Jesus to grow in that because of their impact with you I want I want us all to be active in accomplishing our part in the mission of God not just saying you know focusing on one thing So instead of calling it evangelism, McLaren prefers the word discipleship and disciple-making, which I understand are religious terms, but it's hard to find a good synonym for a disciple. Um, The Great Commission says that we're to make disciples. Now, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, who's he talking to? Disciples. And so it's like he's saying, you disciples, go make some disciples. Reproduce what you're doing. Um, In fact, I've heard it said that the gospel comes to you, always comes to you on the way to somebody else. That we're not the final destination of the gospel, that we're saved to serve, Uh, Jesus rescued us from whatever in order that we could be part of his mission. So McLaren defines it this way, what is disciple making in a sense? It's being a disciple and helping others become disciples too as part of the ongoing movement of spiritual friendship begun by Jesus Christ. He identifies seven elements of this discipleship, disciple making process. And I could do a message on each one, but we'll consider this to be an overview this week, and we'll see. I expect to be talking about some of this stuff in the coming months. First of all, disciples are people who have confidence in Jesus. Jesus started his farewell address by saying, All authority on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Do you believe that, that all authority is given to Jesus? Because none of the rest of it really follows logically if you don't what's it mean to have confidence in Jesus do you believe that he's alive you know, the resurrection of Jesus that's a historical fact not some once upon a time story his ascension into heaven that's a historical fact do you believe that if, if so then that should embolden us with the confidence to believe the rest do you believe that Jesus is right about everything he said um, that he's right about who he said he was he made some really bold claims you know I'm the son of God I'm the way to, the way to heaven I'm the only way to heaven uh, that's what Jesus said and those statements of Jesus were affirmed by his resurrection. Do you believe those things? That's the confidence in God I'm talking about. Now some people might be hung up on the word "belief." It doesn't mean doubt free. The passage makes it plain that even the people who were standing there looking at Jesus in the face had doubts, some of them doubted. What it means is that you're controlled by your choices not by your doubts uh, to have confidence in Jesus. Yeah, we all have doubts from time to time. Let's deal with them. Let's move on. Let's not let those control us. Let's not let those paralyze us. How much confidence do you need in Jesus? You need enough to get moving and to follow Jesus. And and I believe he'll give you what you need as you, as you proceed in that process. We also need, this seems kind of like the opposite of confidence, we also need enough humility to be teachable. Um, it's kind of the flip side of that same thing, but Disciples are humble enough to admit that they need more and hungry enough to go after it. Um, know-it-alls don't make effective disciple makers because people will try to get away from us rather than try to get closer to us and they don't want to copy us. They don't, know-it-alls, know-it-alls don't have a lot of followers. And, and if we're paying attention, we recognize there's always stuff we need to learn. Secondly, who are disciples? They're disciples, the disciples are people who have a mission. Now I would say everyone has a mission. You know, What's your mission? Is it to acquire wealth or possessions? You know, it's kind of out of favor now, but I remember driving along behind a truck where the guy's mission statement is very plainly um, uh, stated on his bumper sticker. He who dies with the most toys wins. And that's a mission statement and, and you know, not the mission I want, not the mission I'd recommend for you. Uh, maybe it's just a joke. But obviously people live their lives by that. Is your mission to achieve all the wealth and possessions you can get, all the comfort and leisure you can, to be more popular or powerful or famous, to gain personal security or to advance a political cause? These things are mostly okay, but if they're your primary mission in life, then your life is a life that's out of balance. My mission needs to be God's mission and to, to fulfill my purpose in that. And some of these secondary missions are cool too, but... If our number one mission isn't to be part of God's mission, then we're going to find that our lives are going to be out of balance and some of these other things can become idols to us. Matthew 28, 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Life's a journey if you you live your life like this. It's an adventure. Remember, you can't teach what you haven't learned, so we're to live the abundant life that Jesus offered to us and then model that for others who can learn about that from watching us. So our mission is to be disciples, first of all, and then to make disciples, secondly. Is that mission the priority of your life? Third, disciples have confidence in Jesus, they have a mission, third, disciples are identified as disciples. This is why we baptize. Um, It says in verse 19, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a public initiation into the family of God. It symbolizes several things. It symbolizes cleansing from sin. It symbolizes an end and a beginning. When we go under the water, it's like death to our old way of life. When we we come up out of the water, it's, it's our identification with the resurrection of Jesus. Fourth, disciples learn and disciples teach. It says, after baptizing, it says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, some people might get hung up on the word teaching and think, oh, boy, I'm not a teacher. How can I do that? Teaching doesn't just mean standing in front of a group of people who are sitting at desks and telling them what to what to, to know. It can be that. I mean, I, I do that some. And that that's a form of teaching, but teaching is, is more effectively done by example. Jesus modeled a life for us, and we have the opportunity to learn from Jesus and model a life for others. We, we who do teach can learn a lot from Jesus. He used simple and clear language. He told stories. He asked questions. He was a vivid describer, of, and he used word pictures to help people to understand spiritual concepts. So if you want to teach others, and I think it says here we, we, we're going to have an opportunity to teach others, start by listening to their story. Then tell your story. Then tell God's story. How do you fit into that? How, did God, how has God take, transformed your life and used you? in his mission and then bring people invite people include people rather than telling your your disciples what to do bring them along with you show them what you do and give them a chance to participate fifth disciples have a global vision and a local vision most of us you know we we, we all live locally and yet we're called I think to think to believe and to think globally <sighs> when jesus said make disciples of all nations that was probably kind of a shocking phrase to the the 11 jewish converts who were listening to him because they weren't used to all nations being included in their religious activity and yet i think it's commonly believed even in protestant churches today that that taking the gospel from jewish people to gentiles was like plan b well the jews didn't buy it so now we're going to take it to gentiles and see if they'll take it that's not, at all, that, that's not at all scripturally supported. Uh, it's plain from the Old Testament that God always intended to take the gospel to the Gentiles. When he's talking to Abraham, telling him how many kids he's going to have, how many descendants, like the stars and like the sand, he says to Abraham, I'm going to use your descendants to bless all nations. This, this uh, passage in Isaiah that we started with, the prophecy about the Messiah, says he's going to be what? A light for the Gentiles. God set aside a people through whom the Messiah would come. He set aside a chosen people, but it was always his attempt to use the nation of Israel to bless the rest of the world, just as, and, and Israel is, is a, a, a symbol for the church today, or the church today is comparable to Israel. God's mission is not only to bless this church or to bless his church, it's to use the church to bless the world, and that's, that's the mission. So how are you going to do this? How do you practice global mission locally? Three ways I can think of right off, uh, give your time, give your talent, give your treasure. Now, what about your time? The American way is to totally mismanage your time and to misuse it. Either two, two, two different flavors of the same lack of balance, either work, 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 no time for anything else. Or um, I know some who prefer the play, 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 play attitude and no time for anything else. But I would suggest to you that a disciple's life is a rhythm of work and rest at a roughly six to one ratio. Um, Worship and service, fellowship and teaching, praying and playing. The six to one ratio only applied to work and rest, not to the others. Um, And so that's a pretty compelling list to me. And I'm gonna read it again and and just ask yourself, is is there anything, and it's not an exhaustive list, but is there anything here missing from my life? Maybe that's why I'm out of balance. Work and rest, worship and service, fellowship and teaching, praying and playing. And a disciple I think ought to experience all those things. Give your talent. God gives us gifts for his purposes so we can use them in his mission. Are you doing that? Um, one way to know is that how do you see your church? Do you see your church as sort of a store of religious stuff where we give out teaching and music and stuff like that and you're the customer? Or do you see us as a community of people on a mission and you're a partner in that mission? I, I can remember I can remember a day when... Uh, Gina would get kind of frustrated with me for sleeping in church. And I can vividly remember, you know, one of the ways we solved that is, you know, now I'm here and it's hard. It be a little more distracting. But uh, it was about 20 years ago or so. I can remember her getting kind of irritated with me. And I can vividly remember thinking this. I'm not sure if I was bold enough to say it out loud. You know, I drug myself out of bed. I got dressed. I went down there. What more do you want? I did my duty. Uh, and and that is so commonly, I think, the attitude that that twenty first century Americans have about church, like that this is attendance is, well, God, yeah, you know, I I served you this week, and I would suggest to you it's absolutely not the mission God's called you to. This would be more like the, you know, the the refueling station. This is where we charge up. This is where we learn how to do it. This is where we. You know, we, we we get to practice some stuff, but if we're not doing it outside of here, we are not doing it. If we're not if we're not advancing the mission of God outside of this community, then we're not advancing the mission of God. God did not create His church so that we could feel better about the fact that we're in and they're out. That's not that's not that's not the 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 purpose that that Christ created the church for. And third, give you treasure. And you know, this is one of the reasons we give. It's one of the reasons we collect an offering. There's two, a two-part thing of that. It's one. It's a way we express our faith in God, but it's also a very natural means God uses to use communities of believers to accomplish His purposes. I believe that this church is called to things. Uh, it's called to accomplish things in our community and internationally, and and we're going to have an easier time accomplishing those things when our when our Our membership, our congregation, is faithful in its giving. McLaren asked several questions, very pointed questions. He has a a nice way of kind of cutting through the religious lingo and and hitting you where you really live. These are his questions. He says, have you ever told God that you're willing to go wherever he calls you? I can vividly remember doing that in my own life, and it was was empowering for me. I remember a a friend of mine and I went to a a seminar several years ago at a teacher convention where they were trying to recruit uh, teachers to leave our schools raise our own support, and become teachers at missionary kid schools overseas. And we were thinking, you know, international missions, this is like the pinnacle of service to God. And I remember being kind of disappointed, thinking, gosh, I prayed about it, and I just don't really feel like God's calling me to that. And I remember thinking, so you're you're real servants, God. You're going to call and go over and do the hard stuff, and you're just going to leave me here in easy land because that's all I can handle. Um, and I remember feeling kind of a false guilt over that. And my friend really woke me up to something that that has been empowering to me. He said, you know, the highest pinnacle of service to God isn't doing this thing or that thing. It's saying yes. Uh, God's called each of us to something, and when you say yes to the thing he's called you to, you are serving God at the highest level you can. And it it's not this role or that role or this place or that place. <coughs> and so that was kind of freeing. That was about 15 years ago, and I said to God, yeah, wherever. And so I became confident at that point, at that, point that he was saying, well, here in Melbourne, and so uh, that's, that's very uplifting and affirming and empowering to me because I feel like that that's, a, that's an okay yes to give. Uh, more of McLaren's questions. Please don't raise your hand for these. Are there any traces of prejudice in your life? You know, they're, they're not in the gospel. All nations. Do you believe that God loves all people, all nations, everyone in the world? Are you investing your time in God's mission? Here's another way McLaren cuts through it. Well, when? Where? How? How's that look? Um, are you investing your talent? If so, you know, what talents do you, do you bring? Do you recognize what they are? Are you using them for the kingdom? Are you investing your treasure? Again, McLaren cuts through. How much is that? <laughs> what, what fraction would that represent, McLaren says. Okay, let's move on. Disciples, I think this is five maybe or six. Disciples are empowered. In verse 20, Jesus said, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This part's kind of funny to me, a little ironic. Because maybe you remember the story. Right after Jesus said that, anybody remember what he did next? All right, let, let me repeat. Surely I'm with you always, to the very end of the age. And pretty much the next thing that happens, he disappeared. And, and he left them. Um, right after he said, I'm always with you. So, you know, what's the joke here? It's no joke. A few days before he told them, I'm going to leave so the Holy Spirit can come. And the Holy Spirit's going to be present with you. The Holy Spirit's going to be present in you. He will empower you. I could do a whole series of messages on how you can receive empowerment from the Holy Spirit. And it's 2 minutes till 12, so I won't be doing that now, um, but it might happen. Um, but here's just a quick list of ways that, that we can kind of plug into the Holy Spirit. Prayer, fasting, worship, contemplation, and journaling. All of these are, up, are methods that many have used to, to, you know, to get guidance from the Holy Spirit and comfort from the Holy Spirit. Um, on the next page, some of these are even conflicting. You can't do these both at the same time. Fellowship, the Holy Spirit can, can guide you through fellowship. He can also meet with you in times of solitude. And I think both are important. If, you're, if, if, if we're always one way or the other, I think we're, we're, we're going to live lives that are out of balance. Serving, giving, and accountability. Finally, the last thing that would identify disciples is disciples have hope. Do you have an eternal perspective? At life's end, there's going to be a reckoning. And I think it's going to be something like this. I'm going to stand before Jesus, and he's going to say, well, you know, I gave you a mission. I gave you some gifts. How have you done? And I, I don't want to stand before God and say, uh, have you seen my boat? Or uh, you know, talk to him about my 401k or uh, my landscaping or whatever. I like all those things. I love boats. I like a nicely manicured lawn. I don't have one, but I think it's cool to look at. Um, but I don't, I don't want to stand before God and tell him about all the things I spent my uh, time and talents and treasure on that seem trivial to him i want to hear him say well done and how am i going to hear that i'm going to focus on the things that are important to him Um, god has invited us to participate in his mission and it's a privilege to get to say yes to that so how are you doing at that that's the question for today brian McLaren. uh, i'm going to finish with a quote from him he says as disciples we live with a certain hope that gives us the freedom to take risks, to make sacrifices, and to live life with wildness, passion, and freedom for God. That sounds fun and exciting to me. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for for what you've done for us. I thank you for what you've shown us. Lord, help us to be the people who say yes to you. And Lord, uh, if there's If there's anyone here who's holding something back and saying, well, God, I want to serve you, but I can't give up that yet, or God, I want to serve you, but I'm not ready for that, Lord, I ask that you just break that down. Uh, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be the one to communicate with us today and that you would motivate us to respond to you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.